Acts chapter 18 says this. After this, he left Athens and went to Corinth, where he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them, and since they were of the same occupation, you know, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. When they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his clothes and told them, Your blood is on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, eh, I'll go to the Gentiles. So he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord along with his whole household. Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptized. The Lord said to Paul in a night vision, Don't be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent. For I am with you, and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you, because I have many people in this city. He stayed there a year and a half, teaching the word of God among them. While Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack against Paul and brought him to the tribunal. This man, they said, is persuading people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. As Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or a serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you, Jews. But if these are questions about words or names or your own law, nah, see to it yourself. I refuse to judge such things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But... None of these things, these things seem to matter to Galileo. Let's pray. We, Jesus, we thank you for your word. And God, we pray this morning that you would open up your word to us in all the many different ways and facets, God, this morning, that you desire to show us, invite us in to your story this morning, God. As we see and, and, and we're filled with your word, God, I pray that you would, you would fall upon us in your Holy Spirit. God, that you would fill us with your encouragement, fill us up with faith, Fill us up with your grace and your mercy. Fill us up, Lord Jesus, with strength and endurance in faith here this morning. God, bless these things here this morning. Thank you for being with us, God, because otherwise none of this would matter if you weren't here. Lord, we pray your blessing on us this morning as we open up your words to study in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, I, I know for many of you, you know this already, but for, some, for the rest of you, this is kind of me coming out of the California closet. Um, so, I grew up in California. I know, boo, boo. <laughs> but, you know, in East L.A., to be exact, you know, what's like? Well, East Side, not West Side. We're East Side. <laughs> what's South Bay? All right. We're used to the ghetto, all right. Woo! <laughs> yeah, we came out of that ghetto. So let's just say growing up in East L.A., Southern California was um, <clears throat> interesting. Um, it's a very interesting way to I mean, literally, I was born in Arcadia, like just right next to El Monte, and grew up for the first 12 years of my life in East L.A. 
being in the minority. It was 85% Hispanic, 15% other. <laughs> Whites were a part of that. Um, so it's interesting because my dad was a youth pastor, associate pastor, etc. And it's funny, he, he, you know, him being from Texas, this seminary in Texas in the South, you know, just they do big youth events. So they, he hosted a big youth event, had all of the, the teenagers invite all their friends. Well, three rival gangs showed up. Oh. And they had to like, call the cops just like to separate it and break it up. Um, but uh, if nothing happened, it was, it was, it was fine. But, uh, my, you know, but even different things that youth don't think about doing ministry in different parts of the world. Like my dad had to minister to a girl whose boyfriend was shot in a drive-by shooting and died in her arms. Wow. Had to, he had to minister to people that I could never even imagine doing ministry with these days. Just the, the incredible things. that it was, it was rough, you know? And, and part of this ministry, part of the, part of the, the, the church culture in L.A. Uh, was this beautiful place called the Dream Center that was built. These guys had this vision. They're like, God is not done with California. I, don't, I, just, I want to ask you, is God done with California? No. no. Does God desire Californians to come to faith in Jesus? 100%. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. God has a plan for California. And God has a plan for Californians in Montana. Amen. Right? right? <laughs> and we can bless them in amen. Jesus' name and say, things. <laughs> Whatever the Lord puts on your heart. <laughs> but there's this beautiful thing called the Dream Center that was built in, in Southern California, in L.A. In L.A. Um, and it was a ministry that these guys were like, we want to go after the hardest ones. We want to go after the ones that everyone else has, has just written off. The gangsters and the prostitutes and the pimps. God wants to change the pimps. God wants to change the hearts of prostitutes. God wants to change the hearts of gangsters for Jesus. These guys still tell stories about like going into these like places. Like if they went by themselves, they would get shot on sight. Uh-huh. But like because they were with one of their vatos, like they got you know got invited in and they're protected, right? And like the whole apartment of these like gangsters came to faith in Jesus and got baptized and joined the church. We serve a God who loves colorful people. <laughs> Skin color and culture. Right? You've seen, you know, you've seen Bryce. He's come in preach here before. All the all the tattoos and the ball that you know, gangster, right? Biker gangster. He got me into his bike game. But <laughs> That's right. Rock and Jesus. But one of the coolest, one of the funniest, funnest, funnest stories I remember him them telling about was that they had this unmarked white van. And they went and they, there was a, a girl that they had been talking to that wanted to leave prostitution and wanted to learn more about Jesus. She had heard about the freedom in Christ and wanted more. And so they first had to rescue her. So they drove up, skidded up in their, in their 15 unmarked you know, white van, rolled open the door, grabbed her, threw her in the van and sped off. Well, of course her pimp saw it and was following them. And like following, you know, screaming through L.A. And they, they pull up to the Dream Center and they open the gates and they, and they drive in. <laughs> I love this, my favorite part. He says, all these gangster guys who are like newly, you know, they came to faith in Jesus. They're Christians, but just barely. <laughs> Walk up to the entrance and the pimp drives up and they're like, oh. <laughs> and that pimp, you could not have heard more screeching of tires. 
<laughs> ran off as fast as possible. But this is the kind of culture that we're, that we're seeing in this big city of L.A. Still today, Dream Center is still going. People's lives are still being changed 20, 30 years later. In the darkest areas, in places of the worst people in culture, the gospel of Jesus Christ can shine brightest. Amen. Amen. Jesus has a plan. Jesus has a desire for all people to come to faith in him. Why? Because he's good. His life, his way, his truth, his life is so much better than anything else this world has to offer. No matter how much money it makes you. In fact, that could be a good clue that it's maybe not the best thing to do in your life. The gospel was, in our day that we're reading, you know, in, in our passage here today, is strong. It's taking root. And it is still strong today. The strength of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church is strong. The problem with the faith of, of many in the church today is that we view the gospel so small. Our view of the gospel, we, we view the church and the gospel as weak, not meek. As defeatable rather than powerful. As small, like this small like self-help, self-empowerment philosophy rather than trusting and following Yahweh, the God Most High, the creator of the world, the universe, and everything in it by the word of his mouth. That is the God that we serve. That is the God that we place our faith and our trust in. That is the faith that we walk in. And that is a greater hope than anything else this world has to offer. And that is what this is all about. That's why the very first words of this book are, this book belongs to you. Oh, just kidding. Um, in the beginning, self created self, evolution of species, big bang theory, poop. God created the heavens and the earth. Little aside here, that wasn't written until Moses. In a sense, he was making that not as like a Western philosophical, like scientific, you know, statement. He was saying that our God created the world. Our God is the one who's good. Our God is the one who's with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He's the one who chose us, who loved us first. Because every other God in this world says, oh, come to me, little mortals. And I might give you some breadcrumbs if you worship me just right. No other God in this world compares to our God. My goal here this morning is to try and build up your faith. Is to try to fill every space, every corner, every crevice of your soul with Christ, with faith, with joy. So that when we walk out of this building, we are filled with the assurance of faith. The full assurance of faith. 
So I want to talk about that, that statement. The strength of Jesus and one another. I almost you know, named this the endurance of the gospel of Jesus and the church. Shifting cultures. But I love the word strength. Because strength means endurance. Right? One of the, one of the things I... You know, when I'm buying a car, I know this seems weird, is the, is the strength test. And uh, so I always take, take my car door and I open it and I shut it. And if it feels sturdy, I buy it. Wow. If it feels cheap and flimsy, like I'm going to break it if I close it too hard, I'm just, nope. Hondas, nope, they're out. <laughs> sorry, if you have a Hyundai. <laughs> you don't have a Hyundai on this one? I'm sorry. <laughs> but I love this word, endurance, strength, endurance. I love the word endurance because the number one word that is used in, like, the the fourth, the fourth, the fourth, the source is the word fortitude. I love this word. This word, I'm, I'm addicted to this word now. Fortitude. Fortitude means courage in pain or adversity. Firmness of purpose. Strength of mind. And this is my favorite. Strength of character. When circumstances are terrible, when life feels like it's falling apart, I know it seems like it's a, such a small thing, but when my, when my watch stopped connecting to my phone, it was annoying. I was like, oh no, the world is crushing. But when you, when you face difficult times, trials, temptations, God desires for us to have strength of character. Who we really are inside. Interacting with the circumstances around us. That is fortitude. Our true identity in Christ, interacting with our circumstances around us. That is fortitude. And strength, this, this strength and this endurance shifts cultures. Our full assurance of faith, our, the strength of Jesus Christ and one another shifts the culture, both in, in our families, in our church, but also in our city. The gospel, like, like it did here, shifted the culture in Corinth as it does everywhere God's people endure in faith. And this is our desire in this valley. This is God's desire for our region. For God's people to endure, to have great fortitude, to have strength of character, strength of faith, strength of mind, firmness of purpose and courage in the face of pain or adversity. So let's look at our passage here this morning. Gallio defends Paul. So as we kind of wrap up our, our passage here um, that we've been going through for, for the last few weeks, uh, we see that Gallio, so Gallio is the proconsul. He's like the governor of this area. So this is like Gianforte, the Gianforte of, of Greece, of all of Greece. Uh, <clears throat> the same accusations here, like, you know, we see they, they, they uh, bring him before, you know, the Jews make this united attack against Paul and bring him before the, the tribunal. Basically take him, like, take him up to Helena for trial. Is that, in essence, is what they're doing. And they bring the same accusations before the proconsul as the jealous Jews did in Thessalonica, which is sedition. This isn't just like just the, you know, this guy is not abiding by our laws, by our Jewish laws, but they're actually even making the, a statement that they're disobeying Rome's laws right. by the way that they worship God, their God, 
This man, they said, is persuading people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. But it's interesting to see that these are the same accusations that the Jews, the Jews brought against Jesus, that they also brought against Paul in Thessalonica. Satan is, <laughs> Satan is not that creative. Let's just put that plainly. He's not that creative. He only has a small box of tools. And so he's like trying to, the same way, the same way. You know, as, they, as they said there in Thessalonica, we found this man misleading, I'm sorry, this is the accusations of Jesus. The Jews said, we found this man misleading our nation, against, well, right, laws, opposing payment of taxes to Caesar, that's sedition, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king, again, sedition, for he knew it was because of envy that the chief priests had handed him over. So even Pilate wasn't deceived. They knew. He knew. But he refused. I love this in our passage. Gallio just even like flat out refused to listen to him. He was more. He was a better governor than Pilate was. Let's put it that way. So he was like, "Shut up, go away." Like seriously, guys. Go, go deal with it. Paul had been there in, in this town, think about this, for a year, in this city, for a year and a half. And a year and a half is a powerful opportunity to create a reputation. And, G, and Paul's reputation in Corinth had become powerful enough that even Gallio, the governor, had heard about him. And I think in this instance, he's like, this guy's good, y'all stink. You guys have been annoying me for from day one. I'm going to go with this guy. So you, you just go, go away. And so we see, like you know, because Crispus was the, the 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 leader of the synagogue, but he he came to faith in Jesus, and so they needed a new synagogue leader. So that's where we see this new guy, Sosthenes. So Sosthenes became the new leader of the synagogue, and they probably beat him because you know it was his idea, and so now they're like humiliated. And, you know, in front of the proconsul, and they've lost faith, more favor um, trying to accuse this guy, Paul. And now, here's a beautiful, beautiful picture that the, the, this was kind of like their last-ditch effort to try to stop the gospel in Corinth. Because he knew that the gospel going forth was doing good for the city. People's lives were being changed. People's lives were getting better. Yeah, they weren't going into worship in the in the you know the temples of Artemis or Apollo anymore, but they were their existence was good for the city. I saw this this quote. There was this one this one quote that I that I heard uh, of a church over in Billings. They always say like, "Do good and be a force for good." So much so that if the church ceased to exist in this place, the city would be bumped. Like, it would be noticeable if the church ceased to exist because there's a light of joy, a light of love, a light of flourishing in that city. And if the church ceased to exist, that light would be snuffed. The light would, like, why does it feel darker here now? It doesn't feel as good. I mean, we're doing the same things we've always done, but it just feels less happy. Less, I feel less blessed, right? That's why we as a church are participants in the promise of Abraham that he said that I will be a blessing to the nations through you. You will be a blessing to the nations. So we are a blessing to our city as a church. (coughs) Our very existence is a blessing to those around us. And you can can put put that in your your step. I'm a blessing. I'm a blessing. I'm a blessing. 
I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. Great song. Look at that. I'm so blessed. It's a great song. The more the gospel spreads, the more it changes the atmosphere and the more it shifts the culture. This is the church. He's called us not simply just to to just be like do-gooders, right? Doing good things and, and, and hosting a lot of events and, you know, doing all this stuff, but being a presence for good, being a representative of the kingdom of heaven on earth so as to be a catalyst for the presence of God in the region. That's what it means to be a blessing. The church is God's presence on earth. Let me say that again for for those in the back. The church is the presence of God Almighty on earth. When we come to faith in Jesus, we're baptized, we receive the Holy Spirit. What's called the Shekinah glory the Shekinah presence, which means dwelling. The same presence that dwelt in Jerusalem on the Ark of the Covenant inside the temple, inside the Holy of Holies, that rests on each one of us and fills us so that when we come together, we are living stones being built up into a holy house. That is the power, the strength of the one another. Jesus Christ being our, as I said, cornerstone. And the cornerstone is the most important stone. It has to be legit perfect. Or else the whole structure is going to be weird. It's going to be like some weird art building in you know, Seattle. <laughs> you know. Because it has to be exact and firm. It has to be true. It has to be plumb. It has to be exact. And everything else is based upon that. So that's why Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. He is perfect. He is exact. He is the imprint of who we're supposed to be. And we are the kingdom of God. We are the presence. We are the catalyst for the presence of God in our region. Like what happened in Thessalonica. So we're going to shift gears a little bit here um, to the introduction of First Thessalonians. But here's the thing: when you, when you see in our passage here that when when uh, Silas and Timothy arrived from where? From Macedonia. So that is where Thessalonica is. And remember, Thessalonica is the largest city in all of Greece at this point. So it's like you know. You know, it's like LA, in essence. Yeah. It's like LA. So, so Paul, if you remember, if you remember uh, Paul was heavily um, persecuted in Philippi. He was beaten up, and he's like probably even riding a horse because he's just like injured coming into Thessalonica. And so he gets to Thessalonica, and he's preaching, and people are coming to faith in Jesus. And then the jealous Jews rise up and they rally all the worthless men of the streets together and create a riot. And they can't find Paul because they like, hit him. So they like grab Jason, who's like the, the you know, it's, it's in his house that the church has been starting to meet. And they beat him up because they can't find Paul. And then like they pay this like ransom, this, this, uh, this bond, if you will, to get, for Jason to get out of, out of jail. 
and for no more charges to be brought against them to kind of appease things. But it kickstarts this massive persecution in Thessalonica, so much so that Paul leaves. He's like, you know, he follows the words of Jesus. If you're persecuted in one town, go to the next. Amen. Right? And so we see Paul leaves, but he was only able to be there for about two weeks, which is very short for him. He's usually at a place for at least three to, three to six months. I mean, here in, in Corinth, this is probably the longest he's stayed in a, in a, in a single town Besides, you know that he's been traveling around too, because he's, he's you know stayed in you know Antioch for a couple of years here and there. But when he's traveling, doing his itinerant ministry, this is the longest so far that he stayed in this specific place. But he only gets to spend two weeks in Thessalonica. Only two weeks. What happens is that the church is now getting the brunt of the persecution. But believers from nearby cities of Berea and Philippi are, you know, and extending down into Achaia, like Athens and Corinth, have actually visited the church in Thessalonica, and they have been greatly encouraged by their faith. The flicker, the spark, didn't go out. Uh, Paul, I mean, I would assume like Paul, like going on to Berea, was like thinking, "Oh man, two weeks, God, that that persecution was." probably worth, worthless because the, the church is probably just going to flicker out. All the people are going to go back to their lifestyles and no one's going to love Jesus beyond tomorrow. Because the great the persecution was very great. Oh, these guys who had to pay these fines are probably super bitter against me that I ruined their life and got them got, you know, caught up in all this. But that's not the word that he hears. Silas and Timothy returned, like he says in verse 5, they returned from Thessalonica with good news. With really good news. Great news, in fact. They, they, were, they come with gospel news from Thessalonica. The church is doing well. They're suffering greatly, but they are enduring. They are going for it. And so Paul in Corinth, during this year and a half, is sitting there and receives word and the stress is gone. He's like, oh, thank God. Thank you, God. Literally, thank you, God. How did you say that word? Unfortunately, however, some have been returning back to their old lifestyles. Because the pressure is so great. Man, it was, it was warm over there. Right? It was, it was super comfortable over there. I just, I just want to go back over here. This feels more comfortable. It's less pressure and, of course, less persecution. People like me over here. Whereas over here, everyone hates me except for the people that are here. But sometimes that's the greatest place that we can be in. A place where people truly and authentically love you. I mean, think about that. I mean, one of the things that he's talking about, and he's encouraging them, stay faithful to the, to the gospel. Don't go back and return to your former common and pagan lifestyles. Specifically sexual immorality. But he's also hearing that people are, are, have, have died in the church. And whether, you know, whether we don't really know if it's because of the persecution or, or not, but we know that, there, that people in the church have died. And the people in the church are asking questions. They're like, um, hey, what happens to us? now that we're believers like over there we knew that we had the you know 
we had Elysium and uh, Hades over here, but uh, what, what is the church? What do we believe? Like, what is Jesus? Do we get to see Jesus again? Like, so, so Paul writes this, this letter to them. Uh, hey, remember, you know, to encourage their faith, because, like, again, he was only there for two weeks, so he's got to write an encouragement to them. Uh, your faith has encouraged people in Macedonia and has even reached all the way down here to Achaia. So he's encouraging them, stay faithful, stay faithful. And, I mean, there's a couple things that we could do here this morning. I kind of was, like, this was probably, like, one of those, like, choose-your-own-adventure things. I've only got one more slide after this. And so I read this, I read First Thessalonians this morning. It only took about 10 minutes. But, so I've got selections. I've got, like, you know, the, the best... Uh, the, the greatest hits of First Thessalonians, if you will, that I can read through, or you can just read through the whole letter right now. I was going to wait till and do it on Wednesday, but it really only took about 10, 15 minutes to read through the whole letter. That's you, Well, I, it's like choose your own adventure, like you know. <laughs> so, do you, do you want to read the whole book right now? Yeah, whole letter of, Thess- of First Thessalonians, because I, I feel like it's it's so beautiful and glorious to listen to an entire letter and listening to it as though Paul were writing it to us. So we'll, we'll read through it and, I'll, and try, like I said, I only got one, one more slide after this. Um, but I, I, want it, I want this again to be an encouragement. So listen to these words. I'm going to be reading out of the CSB. So you can, if you want to follow along, there's a, a C, there are CSB Bibles in the center pieces there in front of you. <coughs> So follow along and and um, and read this. You know, every time it says Thessalonians or anything, read Belgrade okay. or Yellowstone or Montana, whatever. Like fill in the blank, right, with us. Yeah. You know, to the church in Montana, to the church in Yellowstone region, to the church in Gallatin Valley, to the church in Belgrade, you know, to the church on Broadway. I don't know. <laughs> so on Broadway. So here we go, 1 Thessalonians. <clears throat> Let's time it. Here we go. Two. Wait for it. Two, one. Okay. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work produced by faith your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit, and you yourselves became imitators of us, and of the Lord, when in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything. For they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you how you turn from God to God from idols 
to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had, had, had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. For we never use flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness, and we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you as a nurse nurtures her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel, but our very our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember our labor and hardship, brothers and sisters, working night and day so that we would not burden any, any of you. We preached God's gospel to you. We are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And this is why we constantly thank God. Because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God which also works effectively in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and persecuted us. They displease God and are hostile to everyone by keeping us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. As a result, they are constantly filling up their sins to the limit, and wrath has overtaken them at last. But as for us, brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time, in person, not in heart, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and to see you face to face. So we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, But Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are are appointed to this. In fact, when we were with you, we told you in advance that we were going to experience affliction, as you know it happened. For this reason, when I could no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith. Oh, fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might be 
for nothing. <laughs> but now, Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all of our distresses and afflictions, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experienced before our God because of you? As we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Additionally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you received instruction from us on how you should live and please God as you are doing, do this even more. For you know that what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is God's will. Your, and I want to preface this word because I don't like this translation. Your, so sanctification is the Greek way of saying your holy living. Your, your holy lifestyles is what it means. Your living, your holy living, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. This means one must not transgress against and take advantage of a brother or sister in this manner, because the Lord is an avenger of all these offenses, as we also previously told and warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness, who you are. Consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. About brotherly love, we don't need we don't need you you don't need me to write to you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. In fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia. But we encourage you, brothers and sisters, to do this even more, to seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, so that you may behave properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him all those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. About the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come, just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. 
like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the Spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, body, and soul, spirit, body, soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us also. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. Awkward. I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers and sisters, like we just did. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. 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 Oh, it took 11 minutes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, what's time, brother? <laughs> so I want to remind us the ser- from the sermon that I preached in about Thessalon- Thessalonians back then back on January 7th to endure brothers and sisters in 2024 in Belgrade, Montana in the United States of America endure be strengthened in your faith be strengthened in the hope of salvation Be strengthened by the presence of God's Spirit. My my family and I have been here for almost six years now, coming up in you know next month. A little over four years now as as Shift Church, and we are seeing the fruit of God working here at Shift. Amen. And not only here at Shift, but in the entire region, in the entire valley. Church unity like you've never seen before. Like I've never seen before. Man, I tell you what, God is at work in this valley doing incredible things, deep and meaningful relationships, a love for one another. 
you know, for, and for other fellow believers across this valley, all the way to Livingston and beyond. A welcoming spirit to, to visitors and guests, whether they, they stay or not. You know, just a, a welcoming and loving spirit. Healing and growth away from old lifestyles. Oh, yeah, as we call stinking thinking. Aligning our thinking with God. Healing from brokenness. Healing from past hurts. A love for the word of God. A desire to embrace and walk in the Holy Spirit. And joy in the full and abundant grace that God has given us. And I rejoice in your work produced in faith. Produced by faith. Your labor motivated by love. Your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because remember, be patient. This is why we talk about endurance, endurance, endurance. Transformation, change, and, and shifting and maturity doesn't happen overnight. I want to encourage you in this morning. Endure. Have fortitude of faith. Fortitude of love. Fortitude of spirit. As he says, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be faithful to the Lord. Remain, dwell, and abide in Christ through good times and bad, through comfort and discomfort, difficulty, through blessings and trial, endure. Decide today who your Lord and Savior will be. It's going to be you. It's going to be celebrities. No, not culture, not politics, not government, not self, not works, not New Year's resolutions that I know that most of you guys have already broken. Fair enough. You know. Fair enough. <laughs> not coaching, not influencers or diets or even fasts. Nothing and no one but the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And be faithful to the body of Christ through good times and bad through comfort and difficulty, through blessings and trial, endure. Decide today to forgive one another, to have great mercy and grace for one another. Encourage and exhort one another and forbear and with great endurance and fortitude endure and forbear with one another. Bear each other's burdens. <clears throat> because Jesus desires for us to have strength in Christ and in one another. And as we press in, as we press on and we endure, our faith will shift the culture. The faith of the church in the valley will shift the culture in Belgrade and Bozeman and Three Forks and Manhattan and Livingston as it's already been doing for the better. The culture in this region is shifting. Don't give up. I was going to have Daniel park his car out, out back here and, and like push me. 
um, with this truck. Be a truck. Because the church is more powerful than the culture. Amen? Amen? Christ is more powerful than the culture. Amen? Amen? The kingdom of God will not be stopped. We don't wrestle and, and, and you know, fight against flesh and blood as though we're trying to like overcome the government. We're not trying to overcome people and beat them up and like beat them down. We're trying our the way that we fight is we lift people up. Amen. We lift cultures up. We lift each other up. We lift people in the world up. We're like, come on, come on, you can do better. This is here here like this is Christ. This is Jesus. Jesus is better than your than your crack pipe. Amen. The being filled with the spirit is better is better than being filled with beer or wine. You know, I like beer. You don't have to be. Jesus Christ is so much better than the garbage that you're believing. Amen. Shut off the influencers and turn on the spirit. Amen. Let His reels stream through your conscience. Because I'm addicted to those reels. This is our desire. This is God's desire for our valley. For God's people to endure and to have great fortitude. For God's glory, for the joy and flourishing of the church, and for the blessing of all nations. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for uh, faith. (laughs) We thank you for you. You're so good, Jesus. You're so much better. Your way, truth, and life are so much better than anything else in this world that has to offer. God, I pray right now, God, that your spirit would fall upon us, that we would be filled with your Holy Spirit. Give us a fresh anointing of your spirit, of encouragement, of blessing, of joy, of your peace, and of your hope. Lord, help us, God, when we are are struggling. Help us when we're doubting. Because you're there in the doubts. You can handle our doubts. You can handle our frustration and our anger and our rage. You can handle us, God. We're not too much for you, Lord. You can handle our struggles. So God, help us to believe. Help us to to have faith. Help us to endure. Because it can't be us, God. It's only your spirit. It's only your presence in our lives that helps us to endure. It helps us to press on. Help us to not try to look at it as our own strength, God, but to lose ourselves. Say, God, I can't. But you can. Help me, Lord Jesus, to know. Help me to believe that you're still there. Help me to believe that you're still faithful. Help me to believe that there's joy in the morning. Help me to believe that you write a better story than I could ever write. Help us, God, to endure as a a person, as families, as a church, and as your church in this valley. As you have promised, God, that the gates of hell will not even prevail, will not be able to prevail against the church, against the gospel of Jesus. So fill us with the gospel. Fill us with the truth of the joy of your of your presence with us. That all we have to do, God, is, is believe, is place our faith and our trust in you. And you will fill us, God. Help us to believe the gospel of Jesus. 